Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 29 for me and season 25 for Amanda. And this is day 13 of season 97, the midpoint. Question one asks us to name a round, grape-like fruit that is more readily available in Europe than the U.S. and is famous for its use in a namesake pie. It is unrelated to any species of a particular avian family. Mm-hmm. Uh, which tells us that it is named after a bird, most likely. Right. Um, I, I tried to reconcile this with bees for a while, <laughs> but that's apis. And oh, right, yeah. So I was kind of thinking like honey pie or something like that. Um, and I, I couldn't think of this. I, I tried to think of round grape-like, which I assume means small fruits, mm-hmm. and kind of you know, thought of various berries. Like, is there a huckleberry? Uh uh, does rhubarb have fruit like that? I don't think so. Um, and finally, it was the parenthetical that led me to this. When I saw a federal ban implemented in the early 1900s, I thought, okay, uh, this is American history, and therefore there's a 90% chance it has to do with racism. What racism <laughs> was going on in the early 1900s in particular? Oh, uh, there was a lot of anti-Chinese racism in the early 1900s. What is a Chinese fruit? And I felt like gooseberry just sort of popped into my mind as a thing. And I thought, oh yeah, I I feel like there's a gooseberry pie. Is it grape-like? I have no idea. Um, But yeah, okay. Are are the geese anatidae? They could be. They're definitely a bird. It's not going to be sparrowberry pie. So okay, (laughs) yeah, we'll go with gooseberry. Yeah, I um, uh, had a, I guess, slightly more direct path to this because I, when I sort of read the first half, I think a round grape-like fruit that's more European than U.S., currants are the first thing that come to mind. Uh, yeah. um, but then you get to the end and, you know, say namesake pie is not really a currant pie that I um, know of that's that's sort of well-known. Um, and then the, the avian clue there. Maybe think, oh, okay, well, this is some kind of uh, fruit or berry that has a bird name in it. Um, and so I thought it, it didn't take me long to think of gooseberry. Um, just thinking like, yeah, those come in little bunches. The gooseberry pie is a thing. Um, it certainly seems like it's more of a thing in Europe here than the U.S. Because um, you don't you don't find them grown here um, that I know of, but I think they're not uncommon over there, so I went with gooseberry as well. And that was correct. And as it turns out, uh, the gooseberry is not found in China. There is a fruit called a Chinese gooseberry, which oh. we know better as the kiwi. Oh. Huh. Which I did not know. Yeah. And I don't know why I had Chinese gooseberry on my mind, <laughs> or, or the two linked at all, but sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that I wasn't uh, unconsciously helped by the fact that I have a, um, a sort of distant coworker uh, at my employer whose last name is Gooseberry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and, and also the the federal ban uh, curiously had nothing to do with racism. It was oh. because they had a fungus. Okay. That was damaging to uh, uh, plants that were more native to the U.S. Sure. There are gooseberry varietals that are that are native to the U.S., but the, they're mostly grown in Europe. 
and I see. they were uh, they were banned for a while. Well, sometimes we unintentionally do something right. <laughs> Question two asks us for a name that comes between Bob Pettit and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, and there's also LeBron James and George Mikan and a couple other guys on the list. Right. It asks. It, it says this is a chronological list. It gives the dates by each person's name, um, and then we are the the blank that we're supposed to fill. Uh, apparently had whatever status this is between 1966 and 84. Uh, so we're looking for a, you know, mostly 70s era iconic basketball player because Kareem and LeBron are pretty much that, you know, that, that are more in my memory of, um, you know, what little I know about basketball. Um, and so the name that kind of popped to mind right away for me was Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, I knew he was a very high-scoring player, uh, in many senses of the word. And, um, yeah, I just, nothing else came to mind. Like, I tried to think, was like, could this be Bill Russell? And I figured this was, a, again, a scoring um, record that people are holding. Like, they're either the, uh, you know, highest scoring points in a season or points in a game or the most points in a season, uh, you know, total or something like that. Um, and so, you know, just, you have to figure it. someone who was kind of a superstar, like that, that everybody would know their name anyway. So, you know, like around Detroit, you might think of someone like Bill Russell, but you really want someone who's kind of like, everybody knows who that is. Um, you know, with like Kareem's stardom has taken him way beyond basketball. Uh, LeBron's is going that way too. Um, and I can't say that Wilt Chamberlain's did that as much. I think it probably got him some acting roles. Yep. Like, I, I, you know, he, he had some pop culture impact, mm -hmm. uh, as a result of his, his, you know, uh, high level athleticism basically. So, uh, I put down Chamberlain and thought it sounded like as good a guess as any. Uh, this was the record for the, yeah, this is the list of, uh, men who have held the record for most career points in NBA. Okay. Um, and I remember, I, I knew that LeBron had passed this a couple of months back. Mm. Uh, it was a big deal in sports circles at the time because, as you can see, the previous record had been held for a long time. Right. <laughs> Coming up on 40 years. Right. No one had been able to pass Kareem. Jordan mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Bird couldn't do it. Magic couldn't do it. Um. And finally, LeBron did. And I, I remember reading at the time that, you know, Kareem was expected to be very gracious about it, just as Wilt Chamberlain had been very gracious about it when Kareem passed his record. Ah. And so that that locked right in for me, and I thought about it some more, and I was like, okay, I'm certain that this is what this record is. I am fairly certain that the story I read was, in fact, that uh, Chamberlain had passed the baton to Kareem, and that Kareem was going to pass it to LeBron. So, okay, yeah, I'm going to say Chamberlain. And that is the correct answer. And now this is where I take the opportunity to make two jokes uh, that the Sklar brothers told on stage uh, when we saw them uh, for a comedy show in Ann Arbor some years ago. The first is the Kid Safe version. And it, it goes like this. What do you call a quilt that nobody will sleep under? What? A quote. And the second one is, 
what do you call a quilt that everybody sleeps under? What? Quilt Chamberlain. <laughs> there you have it. Question three. I'll send them my royalties in a minute. Um, question three asks us about uh, a general term for an art show that is named after a room in the Louvre. Yeah. What is rule one of the Learned Lag podcast? Read every word in the question. Yeah. I failed to do that. Mm. My first thought was salon. And I thought, eh, it doesn't quite work for an art show. Mm -hmm. and, and I felt like there was a question that the answer was salon fairly recently. Uh, and it was a different etymology slightly. It was more about uh, kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a collection of people to discuss something. It was, mm -hmm. um, as we think of salons today, kind of. Um, so I, I thought, okay, what's another general term for an art show? Well, gallery. Gallery is a term for an art show, or at mm. least where it happens. And so, yeah, okay, we'll go with gallery. Yeah, this is where I, I get on one of my hobby horses about um, some phrasing in the question. Uh, so I looked at this one, I thought, well, you know, one of those rooms could be a salon. I, I thought of other things like, is it an arcade? Is it a, um exhibition? No, exhibition is in the question, so it's not that. Is it an exposition? Maybe. Um, is it, a, you know, just be an art show in, you know, kind of American vernacular. The only terms I know for art shows are things like show, exhibition, exposition, maybe, um, but less commonly uh, showing, um, you know, these, uh, I, I try to think of things that were sort of like, a debut or a like you know a showcase that just try to go through all these different words that might make this question make sense um and finally you know i'm trying to think of something that sounds a little more french and i thought lyceum is that a thing that sounds very sort of french um it, it sounds like it could be a, a a sort of artsy term for a show um and in it kind of clicked better for me than anything I had come up with previously. Um, so that's what I put down. Yeah, it was Salon. I'm very annoyed yeah. at the, the phrasing of this question. A general term for an art show. General suggests to me commonly used. Mm. It is not commonly used, especially in the U.S. where Learned League is based. You know, and I think that that phrasing was taken directly from like a Wikipedia sort of article um, without perhaps questioning whether general is the right word because generally an art show is called an art show or an <laughs> exhibition or, you know, it, it's not called this, you know, anywhere in the U.S. in the current time. Mm -hmm. In 1700s France, maybe it was, but I don't consider that the general term nor do I consider it the best definition of salon these days. If you said, I'm going to go see, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to go see my friend at her salon. Someone would think, oh, that's that person's beauty parlor. Yeah. Or, oh, uh, she's having a, a group of friends to have a discussion, you know, an intellectual discussion. That'll be interesting. Um, if you said to them, 
I'm really excited to see my friend's paintings hanging up in her salon. You would think, wow, that person is both a hairstylist and an artist. Yeah. It would never be a term that that is in general usage as such. Mm-hmm. And so I feel led away from the the correct answer, which would have definitely crossed my mind if it had been any inkling that this is not really a usage that's in use today in English. Mm-hmm. It might still be in use in French. I don't know. I don't speak French. Learned League isn't in French. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty... I, I, I mean, this is a quibble, to be sure. Like, if I had really known this, then obviously I would know it. I just, um, I, I, I don't like when slightly slipshod writing is um, diverting people from where they're supposed to go. It's one thing if you're being a little devious. It's another if you're just kind of like, eh, half-assing how you write it. So, oh, well. that's my rant. Fair. Question four asks us, what distinction did the film Henry and June have? Right. And it notes that this is about uh, Henry and June Miller and Anais Nin. And so, you know, it's going to be about sexy times. (laughs) Um, And also knowing, uh, living as we did through the 80s, through the times of lots of, you know, uh, neo-Victorianism and prudishness about putting sexy times on film there had to be uh at one point there was kind of a sort of weird compromise developed where so that they could um put sexy stuff in films mostly sexy stuff as opposed to violent stuff um they devised a new rating called nc-17 um which means i think no children under the age of 17 would be allowed in differentiating from R rating where someone could come in with, you know, um, it was restricted, but, you know, you could go in with a an adult, um, you know, which meant your friend who was a senior in high school, I guess. Um, and that way they wouldn't have to rate um, films that were not pornography. This was a rating they could assign in place of rating them X and just you know, uh, keeping them out of theaters across the country because nobody would show an X-rated picture in a regular theater. Um, and so this was, I didn't, I didn't quite realize this was the first film that, that had that, but I figured it had to be, um, it was the right timing for NC-17 to be a thing that, that came to pass. And, um, and knowing anything about the subject matter, I was like, yeah, that's going to be full of stuff that they, you know, are, are shoot artistically, but is um, potentially prurient to the unsuspecting viewer, let's say. So I figured this had to be the first film to have an NC-17 rating. And that's what I put down. Uh, yeah, I figured the time sounded about right. It was uh, when I was in college. I remember that being a thing. I remember the movie uh, being uh, very <laughs> Henry Miller and Anais Nin-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I kind of had to think, you know, was there... Because I feel like The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover was around the same time and was maybe also NC-17. But I think this one mm-hmm. came out first. 
Um, so yeah, I was pretty confident that it was an NC-17 rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the correct answer. It's, it's phrased as rated NC-17, but mm-hmm. that's the same thing. Yep. Uh, question five asks us for the stage name of an entertainer and writer uh, who started in vaudeville at age four and then proceeded on to star in films and write mysteries uh, and an autobiography. That became a successful musical. Yeah. And, of course, it asks for the whole stage name, so I have to say Gypsy Rosalie. And mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, thanks for making people write down a slur. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, not not our best uh, uh, panel of questions here. Yeah. Um, which is interesting just in the sense of up until now we've had far fewer quibbles with yeah. questions. So this is very disappointing to... Because I felt the same. I didn't feel like I could put down Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say... The entire stage name but the stage name mm-hmm. was the full three parts of that name yep. so that's what i put down as well yep um and, and yes it might be worth a quick uh message to th- mm. the commish to, to be like hey I mean, you know it's one of those things that i i feel like we can't erase her from history true um doesn't and you know it's not like we're spotlighting her and therefore making the slur a thing that comes up again and again yeah at the time it was not a slur but you know i don't know that we've ever had a question about jim from the huck finn books so Mm. uh, at least certainly not one that would require us to write out his entire name as mark twain devised it right um but yeah i was I, i i got this fairly quickly just because I, you know, have been exposed to <laughs> reading about her previously, and yeah. uh, very often in the context of, ugh, this name is a slur, but yeah, yeah, and I, I think the same. I think this has been a learned league question previously, um, in some form or another. It might have been asking for the name of the musical or some other aspect about it, but I am pretty sure that I read up on her. Um, you know, kind of life and history because of a learned league or other trivia related, you know, something or other. Um, and so I don't know, find another angle is maybe what I would say about that. Um, or maybe have some acknowledgement of the inclusion of what's, what's considered a slur in, you know, the, the person's, uh, stage name. Just so that it doesn't just keep going over and over and over again, just kind of uncountered. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that gets me about it is nobody thinks they're saying a slur because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so please just stop, like, not knowing. Just the <laughs> like, opportunity. It's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> learn something. Yeah. Right? I guess. Well, if this is the worst thing that happened to me today, then I'm mm. better off than Pat Robertson, James Watts, and Donald Trump. So, you know, <laughs> yay. Anyway, it was Gypsy Rose Lady. Mm-hmm. Question six asks us for a nickname of Ulysses Grant uh, that he obtained early in the Civil War. 
based on the terms under which he accepted the Confederate capitulation of Fort Donelson. So I figured this, this, this is U.S. Grant, obviously. So uh, I figured the S had to be surrender. And the, the catchiest thing my brain would cough up was utter for the U. Um, I thought about other things, but I, I thought, you know, it's gotta be like, it's a nickname and I know they're not just like calling him by it per se, like in person. Um, but at the same time, uh, like in a nine syllable phrase is an awkward nickname. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't, you know, that just sort of didn't, um, yep. compute for me. So I put down utter surrender because I thought that sounded pretty, you know, as succinct as it could be while also playing on the U.S. initials. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was unconditional surrender. Mm-hmm. And this is just a, a thing that that I had learned at some point in my military history training. Sure. Um, I did not realize that he had gotten that nickname so early. Oh. I figured it was a much later uh, thing as... Uh, I know that he had advised to uh, Lincoln and the Secretary of War, whose name I'm forgetting, uh, he he had been a big proponent of, we do not let the Confederates dictate terms by which the war ends. Mm -hmm. They will surrender unconditionally or we will continue to fight them. Sure. Uh, Because he did not want, you know, everything to kind of go back to normal and 20 years later we're fighting the same war. Right. Uh, so, you know, lucky him, it took 150. Huh. Uh, so, yeah, that's, it's unconditional surrender. And yeah, nicknames used to be much longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I realize now after the fact that it was probably more like, you know, th- that that's not what they called him for short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, like this hey, is Hey, look, his, here, here comes all uh, unconditional surrender now. Yeah. Like maybe this was in the newspaper or it was in, you know, it was kind of bandied about that, ah, U.S. should be unconditional surrender. Um, So I I think I perhaps uh, mixed up the, you know, the type of nickname we're talking about. Reasonable. Um, So. And I will point out as a quibble. Oh. uh, It was that his name was Hiram Ulysses Grant. Mm Mm-hmm. He was enrolled at West Point as U.S. Grant because the congressman who appointed him, you have to have a congressional appointment to go to the military academy for the most part, um, got his name wrong and submitted <laughs> his, his letter of nomination as U.S. Grant. And so that's how he was. And he didn't feel like dealing with the bureaucracies. And, you know, back then people, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know whether you had a birth certificate, but, you know, mm. people just didn't have records following them along like you do it's not like he had a high school id card that said hiram ulysses (laughs) so he just just went with it and uh had always been called ulysses anyway Uh uh-huh uh so he just went with that and so you know became known as ulysses s grant Mm -hmm. and therefore Mm -hmm. u.s grant and was nicknamed sam at the military academy Ah. because he was u.s grant sure uh, uncle sam so yeah that was uh you know if d- depending on <laughs> what you want to consider to be his actual name uh this was may or may not have actually been after his initials so. now that's an interesting quibble too because 
if there are people out in the Learning League who also know that story, and I bet there are, um, if they were to try to parse this out from saying, well, his first two initials are H-U. Hmm. So, I, I feel confident in saying there is no one who has heard of Hiram Ulysses Grant who does not know well, that he no. was more commonly known as Ulysses S. Grant. True, but, you know, his, his first two initials also suggests mm-hmm. his eh, given two first two initials. I don't know. Yeah. Um, to, but, I mean, I, I doubt that anybody is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, 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 I say quibble, but more an interesting story of the times. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and like I say, back then you could just kind of do that because your name wasn't cast in stone when you were born. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. easily just kind of move to another town and say, "No, no, that that T isn't for Thumbelina. My first name is Thomas." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody just be like, oh, "Okay, cool, Tom." Yeah, no, there was so much less um, definitive identification of mm-hmm. people the way we have it these days. Yep. So that leaves me with four on the day. I had five and should have bearded it. Mm. And I desperately need to win. I'm one and eleven. Oof. Maybe one ten and one, something like that. Oy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I lost my most recent um match. I, I'm I do hope that, you know, once again I'm seem to be overperforming on the game sport area this uh mm-hmm. season and have done so again today, which is nice. Um really wish I'd gotten that art question and I I'm I I won't be as steamed at it as I have been at other questions, but I am irked because um, I, I could have had a could have had a five there. And I feel like I've heard the the Ulysses S. Grant thing before, too. So I, you know, hopefully I'll have set this down in memory for 20 seasons from now and it may come <laughs> up again. So. Uh, so, yes, I the, that last match knocked me from third to fourth. <laughs> In the Rundle. I'm still at 26th. Yep. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm complaining about myself. because I. Oh, I, un- I understandably. made mistakes I should not have made. Oh. Well, uh, you know, sometimes days Especially are rough today. Like I could have guaranteed myself a tie, but... Mm. Anyway. Ah, humbug. Mm. We'll see how it goes. Yep. But that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.